Welcome to Vows to Keep Radio with David and Tracy Sellers. The mission of Vows to Keep is to help couples develop a biblically healthy marriage through the application of God's Word and a deeper relationship with Him. They desire to help you and your spouse grow closer to each other and closer to the heart of God's design for your marriage. Now, here's David and Tracy with today's broadcast. We are David and Tracy Sellers, and we have made Vows to Keep And when we made our vows at the altar, we received a gigantic gift from God. We received the gift of marriage. But did you know that God also gives gifts to marriage? We're going to talk about four of those today here on Vows to Keep Radio. I remember when we were dating, I began to see the first of the gifts that we're going to be talking about today that come in marriage, and that is the gift of friendship. It wasn't long, though, after we were married that we began to enjoy the gift of freedom. And shortly after that, the gift of function. And as our marriage matured, the gift of friction. Every good thing that's happened or is happening in your marriage is a gift from God. Preach it. James 1, 16 and 17 says, Don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. He never changes. He never casts a shifting shadow. And David, we can see over and over again, he has given good gifts to our marriage. And today on Vows to Keep Radio, we're going to talk about those four gifts that David mentioned, friendship, freedom, function, and friction. And every single one of these gifts first stems from our relationship with God. Let's look at the friendship gift first and see some parallels and see if you are recognizing, I am recognizing this special gift in our marriages. If you look at scripture as a whole, from the beginning to the end, you're going to see a repeated theme. From the first couple chapters of Genesis, before sin came on the scene, when Adam and Eve walked with God himself in the garden, all the way to the last couple chapters of Revelation, where we walk with God in eternity, we see this theme. God wants us. He is after you. He pursued the Israelites, his chosen people, through generation after generation of their vacillating rebellion, vacillating back to obedience. But the entire time he was doing that, he was pursuing them and he had you in mind. He pursued you, a Gentile, an outsider, even though you consistently disregarded him as savior and creator. Now you've heard it said that God works things out for his glory and our good. That statement can get so misconstrued. Not only that, I think a lot of us want it to be self-serving if we're not looking at it in the right context. But there's no doubt about it. God wants a relationship with you. And that is for his glory, but it is also for our good. If you think about it, even before time began, God was already in relationship. In the very first verses of the Bible, we see the Trinity. We see God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This relationship is before time began. And it's going to continue and continue gloriously after time ends. If you and I have chosen to put our faith in Jesus Christ, we have an exquisite eternity to embrace, an eternity that's focused on relationship. Between forever past and forever future, we're living in the right now, aren't we? And yet still God is all about relationships. We have a constant communion with him because we have the promised Holy Spirit, but that's not all. Our generous God didn't stop there. He gave us a very special gift in his magnificent creation called marriage. He gave us a companion, a mate. Genesis 2.18 says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I don't think there's been any better words in the Bible than that, Tracy. (laughs) I will make a helper who is just right for him, a partner, a companion, a helpmate, an ally, 
a friend. God's original gift was so multifaceted. God is so generous. I love it. I see it all the time in our marriage, and I bet you do in yours as well. And if you're not, pay attention. I'm amazed when I can catch a glimpse of God's love for me and then to see how he set me up for absolute success, not only in my marriage with Tracy, but in all areas of my life. He's given us complete relational prosperity with himself first as my God and second with my mate, my forever friend. Jesus is teaching here in Matthew chapter 7. We're going to go over a couple verses. He's talking about the Sermon on the Mount. And he's reminding the people that are listening that God is generous. He says, If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who's in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Let me ask you this. Before you met your spouse, did you ever hope or pray that they would come into your life? All the time. Yeah. I even wrote out in a journal the qualities, David, that I was asking God to give me in a husband. I hadn't met you yet. So listen to this. At the top of the list were these words, a man after God's own heart. Okay. A little ironic, don't you think? Do you know what David means? <laughs> exactly that. It means a man after God's own heart. Wow. What a marvelous God, a God who took my prayer. He took my hopes and my yearnings for a husband and gave me David, my best friend. Our daughter is turning 11 today. It's the age where girls plan a trip to that cute little girly jewelry store in the mall and buy one of those best friend necklaces, the kind that each girl wears half of the heart, but when you put them together, they make up the whole. When you put the ring on my finger, David, and I put the gold band on yours, we were saying we are not only ever and always for each other, we're promising to behave like each other's closest companion for the rest of our lives. I've had close friends over the years, but when a husband and wife live within God's design for relationship, his design for friendship, intimacy in other ways is sure to follow. And that brings us to God's second gift in marriage, freedom. Before God gave us freedom with one another in marriage, he gave us freedom in Christ. Now, those who don't understand or know God or the gospel would say that tying yourself to quote unquote religion is a death sentence for everything good that you could have in life, right? They present life without God as exciting and attractive and unencumbered. They say God is the ultimate ball and chain, not worth touching with a 10-foot pole if you know what's good for you. But as Christians, we know the truth. We know the gift of salvation, of uniting ourselves in relationship with Christ through faith. It's the only thing that brings true freedom. And I so wish the world better understood it. Through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death, Romans 8.2 says. And Jesus reaffirms it in John 8.36. It says, if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. So as we talk about freedom, we got to talk about slavery. There are two types of spiritual slaves in the Bible, and we fall into either one or the other category. It's a little bit of a paradox, so stay with me for just a minute. Romans 6 tells us in these words, Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey, whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You've been set free from sin and you become slaves to righteousness. See, you and I have a calling to be free. It's our destiny, you could say. Slaves to Christ walking about in complete freedom. It's hard to comprehend. It's hard to wrap your mind around, but it is so true when you live it out. Ephesians 4 says that we should no longer walk as the Gentiles do because as verse 17 says, their minds are full of darkness. 
they wander far from the life God gives because they've closed their minds. They've hardened their hearts against him. Our calling is to be in bondage to Christ. And when we offer our lives, we get something interesting. We get spiritual freedom and eternity in heaven and the privileges of God's presence with us here on earth without the bondage to sin that leads us to the spiritual death and destruction that this world makes so attractive. This is a total flip-flop way of thinking, and it becomes a total flip-flop way of living. But it's not far from how non-Christians view marriage and sex. The world presents this concept of sex outside of marriage as this glamorous, exciting, enticing, able to deliver all your wildest fantasies sort of deal. But if you look at it closely, the so-called freedom is actually bondage. We see it all the time. A man and woman are actually very insecure when they live in this kind of lifestyle outside of marriage, trying to find this elusive freedom. So guess what? They have learned that sex is their way into a relationship. It's not a beautiful statement of love between a committed husband and wife. No, they pervert God's gift, all the while thinking that they're free when in fact, they're actually slaves. Why? Because when that sex doesn't get delivered or when that relationship loses its sizzle, the relationship is over. In marriage, sex is an expression of love. But sex and dating, it's like bait to keep someone else in the relationship. Pretty soon it becomes your own handcuffs. And even within a marriage relationship, there are those who take God's gift and they hold it hostage, making the other person a slave to them and breaking the freedom that comes with sex in marriage. Many women do this. They're trying to control the sex when it happens in marriage and how it happens. Or they maybe even withhold it because they're trying to get something for themselves, whether either selfishly or manipulatively. Either way we just mentioned, whether it's the twisted way the world uses sex or the selfishness in sex and marriage, it's not how God intended it. I think all we have to do to get an earful of the sexual freedoms God has for us within his creation of matrimony is to turn for just a minute here to Song of Solomon. Let me give you just a taste of God's beautiful gift of magic and passion that occurs between a husband and a wife. These are all from Song of Solomon here. Chapter one, verse two, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth for your love is more delightful than wine. Strengthen me with raisins, fresh me with apples for I am faint with love. Chapter one, verse four, take me away with you. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers. His left arm is under my head and his right arm embraces me. Wow, beautiful enticing sexual freedom within marriage. And might I add that this was all God's idea? Yeah, this is God's word we're talking about. That is freedom within marriage. Full freedom, enduring passion. This is so superior to the kind of bondage that the world tries to convince us of in our dating relationships. And then of course, Satan tries to extend into marriages. It doesn't work. I know that because of the freedoms that God has given us in marriage, that I can fill up my husband in this way. When I know that David is going to be in a situation that's riddled with temptation, I can be proactive about that and let David know, wink, wink, you know, that he's got it pretty good right here at home. (laughs) And I always do know that. Sexual intimacy in marriage is one of God's greatest gifts to a husband and a wife, and it is to be held in high honor. Many times out of that gift comes the fulfillment of something God commissions us with in Genesis. That's to be fruitful and multiply. But the reason for our marriages is more than just making babies. The third gift God gives to marriage that we're going to talk about today is called function. I don't know about you, but when you were looking for your lifetime soulmate, too many of us 
have an end goal of finding that person and then making them ours at the altar. But so often, when our agenda actually gets met, we wander aimlessly from the honeymoon forward. We forget or we don't understand that God has something else actually planned for the two of us. We don't always understand that there's an eternal significance here, something that goes way beyond finding the quote one. The reason that he brought us together, the mission that we have to accomplish is so much bigger than that. So here's God's gift of function to our marriages in just eight words. To give away what God has given us. To give away what God has given us. From the Great Commission to the Greatest Commandment to the time, money, and energy, and all the other resources that God has stewarded us with, our marriages are gifted with function, reason, purpose, mission. Now we strive for lining our lives up with that and not using our freedom to serve ourselves, but to serve one another in love. That might mean that we evaluate our time and our giftings and we put them into action by investing in other people. Maybe we spend our time making meals for young moms or investing in husbands who who don't have a father figure who's really taught them how to live like a heavenly father would ask them to. Maybe it's seeing our children, our grandchildren as future leaders and helping to make them disciples of Jesus Christ, fueling the gift in them for building up the body of Jesus Christ. Proverbs 11:14 says that without wise guidance a nation fails. Without purpose our household, our relationship, it fails. Do you know the gift of God's function for your marriage? When you take a look retrospectively at everything that God has gifted you with, everything that you have been asked to steward for his kingdom, does it tell the truth about who your creator is? Does it tell the truth about the love that he has for the world and its broken people? When the world sees that you are deeply passionate for your spouse who is maybe even entrenched in sin, but you're committed to not letting go of them. It tells where your love comes from. It tells where your love comes from when your husband is at his worst and you give him your best because you're a person on a mission for God's kingdom. If we look at almost anything in our lives, when it stops serving us, we dispose of it. We get rid of it. Tracy, we've got a car with 150,000 miles on it. And for the past several months, Every month we've been doing some little repairs that it's been needing. You know, first it was uh, tires and then it was a wheel bearing. And, and the question that we're wrestling with is, is it time to move on to another car? One that might get better gas mileage, one that might function better for us in one way or another. So here I am, <laughs> a car guy. About a year ago, I obtained the high school car that I had when I was actually in high school. I also have the first car I ever bought with my own money, a 1940 Ford that's waiting for a restoration. And I bought this thing as a 13-year-old when I was growing up. And I thought to myself at the time, of course, there's no way I am ever going to sell these cars. These are like bucket list cars for me. And let me just add that right now, neither of them are even roadworthy. Well, here I am. I still own them because they have value to me. But in the world's view, a marriage that no longer brings me joy is no longer worth having. It's because our human love has got a lot of limitations. We have a friend who many, many years ago began to have medical issues, which affected her ability to be a normal functioning wife. And it sounds harsher than I mean it, but at the time when she was in the hospital fighting for her life, her husband filed for divorce. And I think everyone would stand in judgment and say that he abandoned her, but most wouldn't understand that you're functioning like Christ by staying there with her, going through all the ups, all the downs, both physically, 
and maybe even emotionally in a season like that. Your spouse may not have a serious medical condition that's trying your faithfulness to God's purpose for your marriage, but maybe your husband is in the deep trenches of pornography and you've lost sight of God's gift of function in your relationship. You've entertained the concept. Maybe this husband is no longer serving you. Maybe your wife has grown cold in her physical relationship with you and your marriage isn't what you dreamed it would be. So you're ready to trade it for another. Don't miss the main boat here today. You are functioning like Christ when you love someone all the way through their failures. We encourage you to do everything you can to know Christ more and more, to grow deeper in your relationship with him, to understand the mission he has for you and let him give you a love for your spouse, finding that his strength supplies as you move forward in the function that he intended for your marriage. And when you recognize that no one is perfect except God and that he is faithful and the giver of all good gifts, understand his fourth gift to your marriage. It's the big word friction. Those abrasive, big, and sometimes little things in our marriages that bring out the bristles in both of us. Those areas of sin that become so evident within our close proximity of each other on a daily basis, the glaring inadequacies that are so obviously creating friction between us. Friction comes because there will never be a time when one or both of us doesn't need correction. No, there's not just going to be one or two occurrences where you're going to want to say something to your spouse where they need improvement. God's gift of friction is one that keeps on giving. And this would be a good time to remind you that it is for God's glory and our good. (laughs) We don't always think that way. And this would be a good time to remind you that this is all for God's glory and for our good. Now, let me tell you a painful story about this in our own marriage and why this is a painful thing for us to talk about. In one word, it's weight. During our married life, I've gone from 175 pounds to 240 pounds and everywhere in the middle multiple times. It's easy for me to lose my physical effectiveness with how I eat, and it's a known fact for both of us. It requires a lot of difficult accountability. Now, Tracy, you've never once said to me that you're not attracted to me, but if I'm treating my body like the temple of the Lord, I know I'm going to treat it better than if I let my mouth and my taste buds rule. So sometimes you ask me questions like when I'm headed for seconds or thirds, like, should you wait a minute or two and let your stomach settle to see if maybe you've had enough? You're not alone, David, for sure. There are plenty of things where you have come alongside me and helped to shave off some of those rough edges. Negativity and complaining would be two of them. But a lot of times in marriage, when something needs to be addressed, everything inside of us says, you know what, we're probably better off if we don't say anything at all, if we just keep it to ourselves, if we don't rock the boat. Yeah, isn't it interesting? Men are being programmed in today's day and age to be peacemakers at any cost. And they're not being set up for leadership. But God has actually asked us to be iron sharpening iron. And let me tell you, that is a lot of friction right there. What that means to me is that as a spiritual leader, you've got to say things that need to be heard, but with total love and in a way that brings correction where it's needed. If you want to know more about that, I would encourage you to read Ephesians 5. And then you also have to give your wife the license to bring accountability into your life. So times of friction... They really shape and they define us, Tracy. I think as a Christian culture, though, we've said basically with our actions, friction is bad. And if you're experiencing it, then something is wrong and you need to stop whatever that is. That results in a couple of things like watered down sermons and churches. We've taken a soft line about things that God is very clear about. That's what soft Christian culture would say. 
What the world would say, if there's friction, you've just picked the wrong person. It's time for an exchange. Thank the Lord he doesn't do that with us. He is so patient and kind. He is a loving father and loving parents discipline their children. And God's word tells us that God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. So picture this crucible of marriage. He puts us in our exact marriage relationship for the gift of friction, to mold you, to shape you, to change you, to be more like him. He is the one who not only begins a good work in us, but if we read on in Philippians 1, 6, it says he carries it out until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Today on Vows to Keep Radio, we've talked about four gifts that God gives to marriage, friendship, freedom, function, and friction. They are each a good gift from God coming down from the Father of heavenly lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. God's not going to give you one of these gifts and then turn it into something rotten in your relationship. That verse that we read earlier from James 1 reminds us not to be deceived about the source of the goodness that's in our marriages. We can trust God as our good father who knows how to give good gifts to his children. But these four areas can sometimes almost feel like a threat to our happiness. If there's such a gift, why do they feel like a burden at times? That's a great question. Let's dig into it as we close today. What is overshadowing God's gift to your marriage? I think for most of us, it's sin because it not only separates, it blinds. If sin is blinding you to God's gift, get quiet, get humble, get before God with a repentant heart, even if your spouse doesn't. I think another thing, David, that overshadows these gifts is just the daily grind. Not that we're living in animosity with each other. It's just hard to pick up our heads sometimes for half a second and actually see what God is doing. I know that you and I get there often. If that's the case with you too, take a serious look at your priorities, starting with how you're choosing to spend your time. Our enemy is really good at overshadowing God's gifts to your marriage. He sets you up to be unsatisfied with what God has actually said is good. So too many of us quickly believe Satan's lies and the expectations that he paints for us in this world. That's why it's so important to recognize what the gifts are and where they come from. And our next point, not to take the glory for the gifts when you do recognize them. To not say, hey, look what I did. My marriage is awesome because, hey, I've put the effort into it. And finally, I think we can be our own shadow over these gifts. We can choose to make our own friendships outside of marriage a priority over our spouse's friendship. We can pursue sexual freedom with another person. We can let our own opinions define what our function in life is. And sometimes we just shy away from the friction that exists within our marriages because it's uncomfortable. We don't want it to shape us like God intends. Like what you heard today on Vows to Keep Radio? Listen to more life-changing broadcasts at VowsToKeep.com. Today, we challenge you to personally and together as a couple, get down on your knees and respond to God's gift to your marriage, that friendship, that freedom, that function, and that friction. Your heart can pray this too, this portion that we're going to read to you from Ephesians 3 from the message version of the Bible as we close today. It says, My response is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth. Lord, we pray that we would be strengthened by your Spirit, that Christ would live in us as we open the door and invite him in. Lord, we pray that you would help both us and our spouses have our feet planted firmly on your love that we would be able to take in the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love, that we would reach out and experience 
the breadth of your love for us, to test its length, to plumb the depths, to rise to the heights, to live full lives, full marriages, full in the fullness of you, Lord, and all the gifts that you have given us in our marriage, friendship, freedom, function, and friction. Vows to Keep is supported by a team which includes biblical coaches, writers, and pastoral advisors. If you have a desire to serve marriages in your community, we would love to hear from you. Vows to Keep is a not-for-profit marriage ministry designed to bring God's encouraging truth to the marriages of our area. As a not-for-profit organization, our commitment to Christ-like marriages includes providing much-needed services regardless of a couple's financial ability to offset the cost of Vows to Keep operations. If you are unable to donate your time or abilities but would like to help support Vows to Keep financially, visit VowsToKeep.com and click on the donate link. This program is sponsored by Vows to Keep of Zanesfield, Ohio.